0: Thank you so much for joining democratizing music where we interview content creators struggling musicians and basically anyone struggling to make a buck whether that be performing or even all the way up to well-established maybe multi-album producers or bands that have gone on tour we've done it all and i just can't wait to introduce you to our interview this week So please join me in welcoming Robin Levo. He is from SessionWire. He is the founder and CTO of this super cool web app uh, designed to allow for uh, remote music collaboration across the web, across geographies, across the globe really, um, which I think is super cool and something that I've always uh, wanted as a musician myself. So uh, I am super excited to talk to Robin today. Robin, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm doing very well. Keeping very yeah. busy, as you can imagine. We're just about to release a new version of the software on Monday. So, oh,
0: that's super cool! Super yeah. cool. Um, I know that I've been participating in the Windows beta uh, release and uh, having fun with that. Has that been uh, as much of an adventure as it seems from the outside uh, to be?
1: Well, Windows was a long time coming because when we first um, started developing, it was easier for certain for the the. For the way we implemented SessionRider right at the beginning, it was easier to develop on macOS, and we wanted to prove concept. We wanted to have a minimum viable product. We wanted to get it into producers, engineers, and music creators' hands so they could give us feedback on the product, and, and we could make adjustments. And you know, typically, um, that's the way things go with a startup. But with Windows, there were a lot more complicated issues to deal with, um, so we waited until the plugins were pretty much ready to be um, launched. And that gave us a window of opportunity to re-engineer the Mac version and the Windows version to use the plugins instead of um, the aggregate devices that macOS creates. And And so we were able to uh, create a new driver system for Windows and the plugins for Windows and the app for Windows and release it all at the same time. So. So Uh, we've, we've made a lot of people happy. We, we were, that was our number one sort of complaint from people online is where's windows. So, I mean,
0: it's my understanding that that has to do with like the windows audio driver itself, right? Like, which just has more latency, the out of the box windows driver. If you don't use like an ASIO driver to to talk to your hardware, you're just going to have problems. But if you use the ASIO driver you probably have problems as a software developer because now you got to support like a hundred different interfaces with a hundred different protocols. Is that true? Well, yeah, our,
1: our, our support 90, I'd say 98% of our support in all honesty is DAW related issues, routing, that type of Mm -hmm. thing, because it's a new way of using a DAW that people aren't accustomed to. Um, and the other one would be just hardware, um, Driver issues, that type of thing, where it's uh, the, the the actual sessionware application is very very easy to use. It's just when you get into the other people's <laughs> software yeah. world that you run into issues. Um, and we support basically all of the recording software on Mac OS. Uh, we have three different formats of plugins. We have uh, VST three AX for Avid and Audio Units, which is of course Logics. Mm-hmm. Main uh, plugin format, and then on Windows we have VST3 and a AAX for Avid on Windows yeah. as well. So it's uh, right. it's a challenge, but we wanted to take that challenge on on behalf of all of the SessionWire members that want to use the product, and we feel I noticed the term democratization in your yeah um, in your podcast music. title That's yeah. Right. So that that was actually the the genesis of SessionWire, um, way back in the late 90s, I started thinking about building something like this because I saw the internet as this new way for musicians to correct, connect directly with their audiences mm-hmm. and uh, with each other. And I knew it would open up some new pathways. And here we are like 20 some years later. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know, it, it's finally built. So, um, But the, the democratization part is you have Windows, you're in. You have Mac, you're in. You've got uh, Ableton, you're in. You've got Pro Tools. Yeah, let's get together. So we we have a really interesting uh, piece of software that connects people across operating systems and, and recording software and everything. So it's really exciting. And um, the feedback we're getting is phenomenal, and we're just getting started. We have so many things coming down the road that are just going to be uh i think people will be amazed in mm. you know 12 to 18 months what we're actually going to be delivering so it's an exciting time for session wear.
0: it's a really cool product to set up like you're talking you touched briefly on on the routing and how it actually works but like uh just because this show is largely listened to by people that record their own music uh we can go ahead and feel free to to go ahead and Talk through the technicals here. So, like the way it works is you take your your uh, uh, session wire send uh, plugin and you put that on like the master output bus, right? And then you take your session wire receive plugin, you put that in like a bus channel in your DAW, uh, so that you can hear the audio coming from whoever you're collaborating with, uh, and even like record that if that's something that you want to do. So you're working with someone for them to come in and do like a guitar solo over one part of your song, for instance. Um, Maybe you want to record that audio in addition to having them record it on their end and sending you a file via Dropbox, just so that you got it kind of double, double safe recorded, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, is that a fair, you know, summarization of your product in a, in a nutshell?
1: Well, I'd say it pretty much. There a couple of things. Number one putting the send on the master bus is probably only a good idea if you're doing things like mix reviews and type that type of, uh, workflow, uh, Mm -hmm. for mastering engineers or mixing engineers or whatever. Um, the reason I say that is because if you have a session or receive plugin that finds its way onto the, the stereo bus, the master bus, then you're gonna have a, you know, a a loop going on, which is Mm -hmm. never a good thing. So what I generally do is I usually create a bus, um, for the session wire send, and I treat it like a headphone cue mix on a console. Gotcha. And then anything I want to send a session wire, I I just use the sends on the channels to go to that bus, and whatever ends up on that bus goes across to the person on the other side. And then I also have a receive uh, a, a session wire receive plugin on an auxiliary input, and then I, I do the same thing. So I, I manage it off the stereo bus for. You know, 90% of the time. The other thing uh, and it's a feature a lot of people don't catch on to right away is we have uh, we, we call it internally face drag um, because you can take an audio file or a zip file or whatever and you can drag mm-hmm. it onto the other person's video pane and they'll get a message or they'll get a progress bar and a message asking where they want to store the file. That file transfer doesn't touch a server it's peer-to-peer which is really mm-hmm. cool which means it's fast yeah. and it also means that It's not stored in the cloud somewhere where somebody could potentially access it. Yeah,
0: no one can get their hands on that Dropbox link that you got for sharing and potentially access your file if you didn't want to because you you sent it directly to your collaboration partner.
1: Yeah, and it's 256-bit encryption on all the peer-to-peer communication. So when you're in a a standard peer-to-peer call on SessionWire, the video, the audio, the file transfer, everything is all encrypted end-to-end. So it's very secure. That's cool. So a typical workflow for me is if I have an idea that I'm working on and say I wanted to connect with you and and get you to put put down a guitar track or something like that, I would take the file. I would bounce out a a stereo stem file. I would drag it over to you using face drag. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You would store it or just pop it into your DAW, and then you would play along with that stem so when you're coming back to me i'm hearing no delay no latency no whatever i just i just hear you playing guitar and i can produce the track and say well could you play that you know go up to the 12th fret on those you know bar number six or whatever mm-hmm. and then uh when you're finished recording we might even do some edits where you're doing the editing and i'm doing the listening or if it's i really want to get turned into a control freak we have a new remote app uh, we're 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 basically using um, a company called SplashTop's uh, remote control engine, mm-hmm. and we're, we're sort of doing a—I a, don't know what you'd call it—co uh, uh, co-production on the on that part of the product. Oh, cool! Yeah, the reason because you
0: can screen share, right? So is it we, like the ability to take over the control of the other person's screen? Basically, is what you're. Well, we now? can do
1: screen share natively in SessionWire, but doing the remote control part is something we were going to do. But then we thought, we have so many audio-related things that we want to develop. Do we really want to put all our resources into that? And the answer was no, right. we don't. We, For those people that need it, we wanted to make it convenient for them. So with, with that, you can, um, and if you're the artist, you can download from remote.sessionwire.com. You get this little app, you unpack it, and you run it and it gives you a nine-digit code. You give me that nine-digit code, and I punch it in, and hit a button, and I can take control of your computer. So nice. I could even run the session while you're playing guitar. I could run your DAW from, this, from my location and do the whole session. I could adjust EQs, compression, whatever I wanted to do. And then at the end of it, I could even remotely bounce it down to a file and drag it on to Sessionware, and I would re- receive the file back all in one closed loop. It's amazing. Like it's, um, that so is many... super cool. Yeah, it is. It is. It,
0: what was the, the use case that you first had in mind for, for the product of session wire? Was it like the all record a part, send it over the fence to you and have you add a part and send it back over the fence to me? Or was it like mixed critiques or real time collaboration? Like what was it that you wanted?
1: To I, well, the, the real genesis of the Session idea came like the, I won't say the genesis, I was back in late 90s, but the crystallization I think of um, the idea came at the dinner table <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I've been seeing my son he, he's a very talented musician, he was in his room night after night, I could see the glow of the MacBook in his room and he was he Was writing all the drum parts, the bass parts. He's a talented, very talented guitar player. He was singing, he was doing everything and doing the mixes. And he did a lot of it extremely well, but some areas could use some help, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I, I'm we're all in the same ballpark, unless we're a very, very special person. Yeah, <laughs> we all have areas of strength sure. and other areas w- which we should leave up to other people. So, um, anyway, I was just it, it was. We were living in a fairly remote location, and um, I thought, man, it would be just so great if uh, he could communicate with somebody anywhere in the world to, for instance, play drums on his song or to help with the mix or whatever. And I went online, and I started looking for session wear, and I couldn't find anything like it. There were lots of collaboration things where it's more like a social media thing, post your file and blah, blah, blah. I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in getting down to the brass tacks of the recording process itself. And what I envisioned was a studio recording studio with a control room and a live room on the other side and glass in between, mm-hmm. except the glass in between would become the computer screen and the control room would be in Vancouver and the recording room would be in Switzerland or, or wherever. Yeah. And it wouldn't matter where it was. So that's the model of Session It's like, go behind the glass anywhere in the world is a catchphrase that sort of has come up from time to time. But so because of the latency between here in Switzerland or here in Australia or whatever, a lot of things that you would normally do in this studio are not possible in the way that they used to be done. Right. That that doesn't mean they're not possible. You're talking about
0: like, just a level set for our listeners. Like we're talking about, like when you're tracking in your DAW, you're probably shooting for a latency, a, a round trip latency of under like 10 milliseconds in a perfect world, right? You want it freaking fast because you want to be able to play an overdub and overdub and do all of that stuff with almost no delay, so that everything's perfectly in line and doesn't have to be like requantized and adjusted and all that nonsense. But then, like that's just on your computer where the <laughs> signals are tran- going amongst wires you know a couple of feet but the internet is a whole new animal it's like that on steroids right cuz it, it's now it's not even like you have a direct cable to Switzerland the guy in Switzerland that you want to collaborate with right it, it's you have this horribly complex web of cables that is hooked up to a thousand different places and those things are not just dedicated to your session and so that all adds latency and you got Switzerland's latency on top of it, like the guy, that computer in Switzerland also has latency. And so you add all that together, your latency, their latency, internet's latency, round trip has to go back and, and uh, out to them and back to you. That's a lot of time. And even in the best case scenario, we're probably talking, I don't know, a 10th of a second, you know, 100 milliseconds at, at best for a, a real-time collaboration, which is untenable. Like nothing's going to
1: sound good at that point. No, and that that that, you hit the nail on the head. And when I started this, people were saying, "Well, how much latency is acceptable?" And I said, "No latency is acceptable." And then they're like, "Well, then it's impossible." I said, "Well, no. It just you have to think about it differently." Right. Well, you know what? How are you structuring your recording session? So, it's like the my the king of the session wire analogies for. The progress of um, the music industry is going back to. I won't go prior to Elvis. Let's start at Elvis. But <laughs> back then, sound sure. recording—they had a single mic in the middle of the room, and everybody stood around the mic, and they took a step backward or step forward, or they played louder or softer, or whatever. Right, that was and they volume. recorded that, <laughs> and that—that that was just the way that it was done, and everybody thought that was like it. That you know, we have arrived. We can re- make recordings. And then along, you know, fast forward into the '60s, and all of a sudden you've got Jeff Emmerich and George Martin and the Beatles. Um, I know Les Paul was into all kinds of multi-tracking and stuff like that, but Jeff Emmerich and George Martin really pioneered the whole multi-track, you know, uh, era that would come after, where er everybody was in the control room and people were in the recording room, and and there's a guitarist down the hallway in a closet with headphones on and. And w- wasn't w- even
0: satisfied with the one multi-track machine, right? Like the Beatles famously daisy chained them together, right, to get more more tracks.
1: Well, that, that's an interesting story. I can quickly tell that story because I, I I have it right from pretty much the horse's mouth. in that I, I spent some time with Rupert Neve <laughs> oh, down absolutely. in Texas, and uh, so and George Martin apparently contacted um, Jeff Emmerich the night before one of the Beatles sessions and said, "Can you synchronize two four tracks together?" And Jeff is one of those people that could actually build recording consoles and tape machines. Mm. And you know he was an engineer engineer. And so he said, yeah, I can. So he, he recorded um, 50 Hertz pilot tone on one of the tracks mm. of the master recorder. And then he amplified the pilot tone up to a voltage which would drive the AC motor of the second machine. So if there were any fluctuations in speed on the master machine, the pilot tone would vary in frequency, which would vary the frequency going to the AC motor, and it would keep the other machine in in sync. So it was, wow, it was kind of genius. Um, and anyway, so smart I digress- the ma-
0: manufacturers though, of those machines, though, to allow for something like that to even be possible, right? To allow allow the the amplitude of the signal coming in, the audio amplitude re- really is what you're talking about there, the volume.
1: Well, the, uh, yeah, to, they, I mean, modify. they 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 ramped up the amplitude of the sine wave, so it was a it was a high enough voltage, probably like fifteen or eighteen volts or something, that could drive the capstan of the second machine. But then, right hot on the heels of that was the adoption of SMPTE time timecode, which is actually a NASA telemetry signal um, that was designed to have uh, a time base self-encoded in itself. And of course, wait, that's SMP-
0: originally from NASA. Is yeah.
1: that what you said, mm-hmm.
0: I had no idea. Oh, yeah, it was, wow. ad-
1: it was adapted from a, a telemetry signal. And then it became standardized by the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers and became SMPTE time Code, uh, also known oh. as LTC. And LTC was great because when the tape speeded up or slowed down, the time base sped up or slowed down along with it because the time base was part of the actual SMPTE signal. So it was very cool. Anyway, I, again, I digress. <laughs> Uh, but oh, I was just oh. going to say, we're going from the single mic to the control room recording yeah. studio model. Everybody took that as this is the way that you make records now. Why? Well, because you need the isolation; it makes for better recordings, and you can separate the parts out. And you know, you can you can hear in one environment, and you can record in the other one. You can take advantage of the acoustics in the recording room, which would be terrible acoustics for monitoring, and all right. those kinds of things were just it, it was a revolution. And now we're on the we're on the brink of a new revolution, which is the remote recording revolution. And truly, we have a simple product and session wear, but we have it placed in a very complex, misunderstood environment. Um, people, quite honestly, just don't know how to do re- remote recording yet. In general, I mean, some people do right. obviously, but the it, um, it's it's a it's a shift that's happening, but people are. Um, confused when they get into it because they think, Oh, I'll just do it like I did in the studio, but you can't. So how do you do it? Well, I don't know. They either figure it out on the, on their own, or one of the jobs we have at SessionWire is to educate people. And we're really taking that seriously. We're producing a whole bunch of videos on the remote production process and starting off with simple things like how to use SessionWire to play audio for your friend across the country? Well, you plop in a send plugin and you hit play and it, Goes to the send plugin, goes to session wire. They have a receive plugin on the other end, and voila, they can hear the audio and all its high-quality glory. So we start from there, and then we start getting into, you know, how do you approach an overdub? How do you do a remote voice acting session? Um, all of these other things with uh, increasing amounts of complexity, and we have new features coming out over the next year that are going to really revolutionize that process make it a lot easier for people by taking some of the complexity and 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 um encapsulating it in a simple uh framework so that they can just do the job that they want to do and they can under, easily understand how to do it so that's kind of where it is very exciting being on the forefront of this because it's uh gonna change so many things as you can well imagine and the democratization thing um, really kicks into gear because you might find a singer across the planet that is as good or better than somebody else that you can't afford. Right. <laughs> and and you guys can connect and create music and and the world is a better place for it. Um, you you save plane tickets and hotel rooms and and all that sort of stuff. And we, we did have a bit of blowback from the studios some of the studios at first where they felt like we were going to be taking work from them. But then I flipped it around and said, we, we can expand no, we, your market. We just and,
0: increase your customer base. Yeah. Yeah. Like to the whole um, in the and, world. Can yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. I don't I have, a, I don't have a drum room here. Yeah.
0: yeah there's lots of studios
1: exactly. with amazing drum rooms. I, I could pick whatever studio I want and phone them up and say, Hey, uh, I'd like to send a drummer into your studio and, um, you know, I'll supervise the miking remotely and whatever, and I, you know, I'm I'm just a fly on the wall, you know, 2,000 miles away, but I can get the drums recorded exactly like I want to, and never have to get on a on a plane or whatever. So it's amazing for everybody, and um, so yeah, and another sorry, All these things are just popping in my head, but another idea I had: you look uh, at recording. Magazines, and you see all these studios, and they have racks full of untold tens of thousands of dollars worth of outboard equipment that just sits there for a lot probably of the time. Use it
0: once a year, yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, so yep. I, I said to one guy, I said, Well, why don't you hire a second engineer and get him set up on session wire? And people could call him all day long, and you could rent out your outboard rack for 15 minutes of crack, and uh, people could send their audio through some, you know, vintage tube compressor or uh, maybe yeah. they've got a plate reverb. Or Here's maybe an audio
0: file. To... Put it through your LA-2A or whatever and, uh, <laughs> and send it back, yeah.
1: I mean, there's so many applications, but. Um...
0: Absolutely. That That is all really cool. Um, you know, one thing I was noticing as I was playing around uh, with the software the other day was that, you know, if I were to instantiate a new collaboration with someone who maybe doesn't even know much about the song that i'm asking them to possibly contribute to it would be nice if the plugin handled things like sending the tempo and um uh, of the song and the and the key signature um and things like that if if the daw behind it supports it right so like if i'm using studio one where there's a tempo map throughout the song and there are key changes uh and chord uh tracks and things like that like all that in theory, I believe, can be sent over. For instance, when I edit some audio in Melodyne from Studio One, it sends over the tempo, and and key and, and stuff like that. So, like that would be that would be cool if that could be incorporated in in with the pl- info that the plugin is sending out.
1: Well, to, uh, uh, for thing. sure, and um, that all of what you're talking about there is essentially a part of an upcoming release that. We we're going to be doing, which is getting MIDI back on the books. Because in the alpha version of the plugin, we had MIDI. We had, we had MIDI time code, MIDI machine control. We had all this stuff. And it, it was overwhelmingly complex for a lot of people. Oh, wow. um, MIDI,
0: overwhelmingly, and, overwhelmingly complex for people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's quite complex. It's quite a robust protocol, and it's been expanded so many times over the years.
1: Well, it's just if you, you give people this tool, and you say, well, you have to set up audio, and now you got to set up MIDI, and you got to do all this different stuff. A lot of people in the creative world are just like, just give me a button. I just want to push a button, and and go to work. They don't want to get into the weeds with all the technology stuff. Some people love it. They thrive in that environment. They love complicated stuff and getting things all set up and it keeps them up into the wee hours of the morning. But anyway, we we are going to be returning MIDI to the product um, in the very near near future. And of course with MIDI comes the ability to send all kinds of information like you're talking about. And um, that will open up a whole bunch of new possibilities uh, at, at both ends for the creative process. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I think it's an excellent idea. And I think that uh, the more, more information that can be shared between the, the software, the better. And right. at, at a very high level, session is like video chat for people and audio chat for their recording software. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it, it it's it connects both in completely independent systems. So, you know, my Studio 1 is connected to your Studio 1 through the high quality audio, my built-in mic and speakers or my Presonus, you know, audio devices doing the talk mm-hmm. back duties and so it's 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 a, it, uh, in another layer we're going to have MIDI as well. So we'll have MIDI, high quality audio, talk back and we have got file oh, transfer. Nice.
0: With all the all the polyphonic aftertouch and all that nonsense, all the bells and whistles of the latest MIDI.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll send as much or as little as people want.
0: Okay. Yeah, and some people want sense. a lot.
1: <laughs> but that's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I I, you, I actually uh, MIDI is what like I'm pre MIDI. So I remember I owned one of the uh, Prophet Fives that was uh, out before MIDI was a gleam in Roland's eye. <laughs> and uh, so I saw the whole thing evolve. I actually was working in the retail industry, uh, managing a music store when all of the MIDI stuff started coming out. and You know, the DX7 and, and the MIDI verb and SPX 90s and at least uh, um, Akai samplers and yeah, on and on and on. It was, uh, it was incredible, but I had to learn MIDI to, be able to explain it to first to my customers in retail. And then I got into teaching audio recording. And of course I had to get really into the weeds with uh, the MIDI protocol and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The differences between the various kinds of controls and like what their, what their ranges of values are based on where the potentiometer is, where the little slider. Yeah. It is quite a, a little world to jump into. That's for sure.
1: It, it, but it's, I'm, I'm amazed what people do. And, um, I mean, MIDI with, is super
0: cool. It's how people control most of the lighting at concerts now, which a lot of people don't know. Like a, a lot of those uh, professional lighting uh, displays that you uh, see at a, at a nice concert, that's all mm, MIDI.
1: Yeah. MIDI show control. Yeah. That was actually pioneered by a company here in Richmond, BC, oh, a long time really? ago. Yeah. I, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I know. Anyway, I'm a, Get into it, but back then, back then, there was a company that created a product called the Pitch Rider, which was the, one of the first commercial um, audio to MIDI converters. Oh. And, and so you could play your guitar into it, and it would analyze the pitch, and it would spit MIDI out the other side. They they ended up um, becoming a, involved with TC Electronics, and now they're a company called TC Helicon. Yep, which
0: I. Oh, and one of their pedals, uh, Play Acoustic, I use it all the time at, like, open mics. It's a great little pedal. If you're yeah, looking for so, a harmonizer out there, it's a nice little
1: pedal. Yeah, the technology has been developing for a long time in a, a lot of different ways, but, yeah. For anyway, sure. it's um, it's we're very tuned in to the, the group of people on the planet that are like you, that are very interested in music and producing music with all kinds of tools and toys and whatever in various different creative ways. Because we are you. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> in the company is a musician, producer, engineer, some some form at some level. Some people are more on the songwriting side. Some people are more on the engineering side. But every single person is has a passion for what we're doing and um we really do want to support our members and help them do amazing stuff and that yeah. gets us excited like what are you going to do with session wire you know what what kind of mashups of talent and geography and and skill level and stuff are going to be facilitated by this product you know by connecting people across operating systems and software and country and language and you, you name it. And so it's going to be really exciting to see. We're, we're already we're already starting to see that. Um, what's the name of the band now? I'm embarrassed. I can't remember. Anyway, one of our members, Dale Penner, produced a, a TikTok sensation oh, cool. band. And um, he did the whole album on Session Wire in the middle of the pandemic. And he said it really saved his bacon. But not only did it save it... His uh, bacon—it uh, actually created a really fresh, interesting new way to do production for him, and so it's just kind of now that's you know one of the ways that he does things. It's because it's way more convenient, it's uh, less expensive. It's—I um, don't know—it's just—it's a change. It's a sea change that we're going through right now. So,
0: yeah, I I totally agree. <laughs> I'm uh, I was happy that i had just wrapped up work on a project right before uh, the pandemic hit. so I, I didn't have to deal with the uh the juggling and reprioritization and, and rehashing of of the end of the workflow which is already like the most time-consuming part of the the album like to me at least the tracking part that tends to go fairly quickly it's the the finalizing of the mix and getting it to where it sounds good on on various systems and like all that little tiny follow-up work that like the polishing, you know, that's what takes up so much time. Um, and and to have a wrench thrown in the works like a pandemic uh, right in the middle, of that particular process would have been quite uh, quite a motivational killer, I think. So uh, yeah, got myself lucky for that.
1: Well, you bring up an interesting point that really the the majority of production of any kind is listening, mm-hmm. and so the. It, it's great if you have a system where you can listen at a distance, yeah. And li- listen with fidelity at a distance, because <laughs> for that all the... matter,
0: get someone else to listen, right? Yeah. Because like yeah. when I hear you say "listen at a distance," like I'm sure what you probably meant was geographically, but to me, as someone who mixes a lot of his own songs, it's hard to to kill your babies. You know, it's hard to to come to terms with like, sure, I like that guitar solo. Is it making this song better though? And and like making the editorial decision to take that out sometimes a fresh set of ears that hasn't been listening to that song for a month and a half uh can give you some some real insight that you might not have gotten to
1: absolutely i remember uh, our ceo now ceo uh, colin weeb he was um involved earlier before he was part of the company and he was saying in a, in a board meeting he was going when i play something I'm sitting there by myself, I go, is that okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because at some point you lose that, the ability to objectively tell whether what you did was okay or not. And well, I've certainly it, been plus. in situations, I, I don't know, have you done much live um, playing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so. I, playing with g-
0: other people is more fun because oh, they it do is. things like, yeah, and like they'll, they'll like give you cues, so like, hey, let's do that one more time, let's repeat that part, and I love that.
1: Well, we one of the things we always say is being in the same room together is the best thing. We want session rider to be the second best thing, there and I and that's that's sort of an internal you know core value that we have. But I was just gonna say, like I've been on stage playing, and th- I think I played horribly, and I'm so depressed I want to go burn my guitars in my <laughs> backyard. And then I'm walking off stage, and somebody comes up and goes, "Oh, that was amazing," and I'm like, "What?" And then yep. conversely, I've had nights where I just think that I'm just being Mr. Rockstar and everything is amazing and I've never played so well in my entire life and nobody says anything. <laughs> so yeah. and Yeah. it's the same with songwriting and production. Like if you can get out of the room and get somebody else and, you know, like I'm working on something and I, I go into Sessomar and I, I see you're online and I click and, I, and reconnect and I say, hey, man, can you listen to this? Because I just have no clue. Yeah. You know, should I go up? At the bridge, and so sort I of go down at the bridge. Should I, you know, speed up here, slow down there, whatever? So yeah, it's it's uh it's really awesome because otherwise you have to schedule that stuff. You have to get in your car or get on a plane, or you know you have to move to a physical location where somebody else is and listen to their speakers. Or the other trap is I'll just bounce it and I'll email it to right. whoever. And when they get around to it, they'll have a listen to it, and they'll send me some notes on their thoughts or whatever. But that's a very discontinuous, disconnected process. And um,
0: you don't get the feedback as fast as you want. You're not probably getting it, like, time-stamped to, like, the actual part that the comment's really relative to, as you would if you were listening to it in real time and talking with someone over it, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's just way better to have that real-time, listen to it together, talk about it together. Oh, wait wait, no, now. go back. Let's listen to that last part one more time. I thought I heard something there. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm hearing this weird ping in that snare drum that's driving me nuts. Can you fix it? Yeah. Mostly on this part, you know, leading up to the chorus or whatever. You could just – it's just – honestly, we, we had um, a, a famous percussionist, and I'm not using names just because I – you know, I just – rather they might want their privacy or whatever, but he, he literally salvaged a session – with Sessionwire and um, they couldn't because they couldn't get together. And so they tried Sessionwire and they're working on it. And he said it was amazing because if they for it almost they almost forgot they weren't in the same space. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal. Is just like you forget about Session Wire. You don't care about Sessionwire. You just fire it up and you use it and you get onto focusing on your music and and what you're trying to create and you don't let the software that you're communicating with get in the way that that's our goal. So
0: that all sounds amazing. Um, Before we get too far away from the topic of latency, I wanted to ask a fairly technical question, uh, which is basically it's like locally recording, right? Let's say I've got like a reverb plugin or something on, on one of my tracks that's going to add internal latency in my computer. Right. But my DAW accounts for that. Right. Because when I hit play, Let's say my reverb is a particularly onerous reverb that's adding two thousand milliseconds of delay to my to my playback. Right. So like what happens is I hit play and it goes one, two, and then it starts actually playing, right? And that's so that every like the virtual instruments and everything can be in sync with the delay caused by that reverb plugin. Yeah. Have you guys thought about doing something similar where a guy in Switzerland has an internal latency that's calculated by his DAW? I have mine that's calculated by my DAW. And then just like constantly measure the latency in, in internet between our two computers, and just like adjusts adjusts the speed, you know, the playback speed ever so slightly. Like I'm not sure if you ever use Bluetooth headphones, but sometimes they get ever so slightly behind the audio that you're listening to, and you'll hear it slightly speed up to kind of catch up to where it's supposed to be. Like, have you, is that something that you guys have looked at to try and enable uh, cool. near real time? Well,
1: uh, yeah, absolutely to the first part and no to the last part, like we would never change the speed of the audio to try and compensate for anything. but that that's I think that's a sort of that whole Bluetooth thing. I understand exactly what you're talking about, but it's kind of a sort of a separate issue. The issue is. that you're talking and it's about. It's probably less but,
0: desirable for music too,
1: right? It's it less desirable for music for sure. And um, we, we always recommend, by the way, using an Ethernet cable whenever possible right. because Wi-Fi is prone to artifacting and it has nothing to do with session wire. It's just the way that the protocol works. And if you have a lot of interference and stuff, Wi-Fi will do a lot of crazy stuff to try and keep keep the party going when they, the quality of service really drops. So... There's that. That's a whole other topic of conversation. But um Ethernet is always the best way to go. And for most people that are serious about their audio production, they'd want to do that anyway, because you wouldn't buy like a thirty five hundred dollar microphone and you know, a twenty five hundred dollar <laughs> preamp and then connect them with a, a sure wireless from the music store. You wouldn't do that. You'd get a nice oxygen free cable or whatever that's yeah. you know uh, worthy of the microphone and the preamp. So in the same way with you know, using a, a CAT5 or CAT6 cable, whatever you need in your particular environment, that's a, a better way to go. Anyway, rewinding to the latency issue. Um, yes, uh, I was around before delay compensation happened with plugins. So we had to manually cam- calculate the offset of a track that we added a oh, plugin wow. to. Um, in samples to compensate for the delay. So it was a nightmare with phase with a drum kit. You can imagine you start putting plugins on a particular part of your signal path and and it's like, you know, 3,249 samples out of phase with everything else. It it created what I I used to, I dubbed it the gray sound (laughs) because it just, you, you couldn't put your finger on what was wrong. It just, it was wrong and you, you, you couldn't, clearly hear what was going on but it was very damaging to the overall mix but um so plugin uh delay compensation came in concept as most of your listeners will probably know is you find out which plugin is doing the worst in terms of uh delay performance and you make everybody else wait Right. So everybody at the end of the day, all the audio comes out at the same time with all of the sample delays calculated and it just, it eliminates the problem. So can you do that over the internet? And the answer is yes. And we're going to be in a couple of different ways. Um, later this year, we've already actually done it in our alpha. Uh, Mm -hmm. but we took it out, like I mentioned before, because it was too complex for people to wrap their brain around remote recording, wasn't really a thing like it has become right. courtesy of the pandemic i mean it's it's shortened the timeline to remote production per, by probably a decade honestly
0: yeah because a lot of that. people
1: were very resistant to the idea of remote recording because they were set in their ways this is the way it's always been done you know blah 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 and uh, well, then and the pandemic kind of came of those along well a of
0: magic spaces right in, in music production right like you know people People think that, like, the worst song recorded in Abbey Road will sound better than it would have otherwise. And I mean, it might sound a little richer or whatever, but it's not going to be a better song.
1: Well, yeah, you can. Th- those are discussions to have over a couple of glasses of beer, I think, because uh, there's some a lot of funny ideas about audio and, um, like, digital versus analog and, you know, all these different oh, yeah. discussions about. <clears throat> um, I, I had a discussion one, one time with somebody about the purity of analog tape recording and whatever, and I asked them if they had ever followed the signal path through an analog tape recorder and um, looked at all of the equalization and compression and um, stuff that's going on, the introduction of bias frequency and all that sort of stuff to get the stupid signal to stick on the tape yeah but at the end of the day the sound of an analog tape recorder if it's well aligned and everything it has a beautiful sound that is a characteristic and that's why they have um, tape emulators pardon me
0: right that's why i use a tape emulator for like my drums buses it kind of gives a little natural compression for a reason i couldn't articulate right now but it works and it sounds pretty good
1: well, when when you grew up listening to vinyl records and then you heard the same thing on CD, you you, you almost started screaming and running out into the night because it sounded so horrible. They, oh, really? They went, but yeah, I, the, so well, the, I, they took I, them. They I took came the, over the original right masters.
0: The end of vinyl, so like yeah.
1: Well, they just took the original masters that were for the vinyl, and then they digitized them and put them on a CD. But, but they missed the whole mess.
0: because you had to do special stuff to get it onto vinyl, right? Because like if it was too loud at a certain point, then the groove would just literally be wider, right? So like you had to make sure that you could fit your songs onto there based on how loud they were.
1: Well, yeah, and and if you didn't properly compress and equalize what went to the lacquer, you you'd yeah. create an unplayable disc. That the needle yeah. would just it, it would just go flying off in outer space. So <laughs> that, like that sound that we were used to on the vinyl record, on every vinyl record, that compression and that you know that vinyl sound, it, as soon as you took the the mastering for lacquer um, chunk out of the equation, and you just took the mixed master and you threw it onto a CD, it was like it sounded totally different and it sounded horrible. So that's why they came up with digitally remastered. Which was basically replicating a lot of what happened in the process to cut the lacquer disc for the as the mm-hmm. uh, the source for the vinyl records, et cetera. So, anyway, they, I mean, they, it's there's a lot of discussions to be had around audio myths and and that type of thing. But really, anybody who's a creative person that has a really good song idea and they have access to limited equipment. Um, they can make a, a really good recording if they take their time and, and really, you know, um, try and understand what they're doing, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I fully agree with that. There are free tools out there that you could just get. And if you, if you got some skill as a musician, you could, you could definitely record your own song at home. Uh, if you got even just a crappy little mic, um, you'd probably get away with it. Uh, especially if you're a skilled musician, because that's, really what matters most is is, is is the material going in to the computer good in the first place because if it's not good yeah uh, no amount of polish is going to make that turd look good
1: garbage in garbage out yeah I, it's funny i was on uh, i think i was on the slate facebook thing S- um, somebody posted a picture of their studio that they had a, like a, a MacBook and some monitors and like whatever. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they're like, I'm, I'm just starting out and I'm sorry, this is my humble studio. And it was almost like they're, they're embarrassed about their studio. And so <laughs> a, a guy I know on there posted and he's like, that's amazing. When I started out, you wouldn't believe what we had. So then I posted what I started recording on and it was a, a JVC boombox. 1981 jvc boombox that's what i started recording on (laughs) and it just sort of went from there so now people you have garage band even like come on you got reverbs and compressors and eqs you've got the ability to edit waveforms on the screen and like it's insane virtual
0: drums can i just say virtual drums that you don't have to step sequence in oh my gosh what a game changer
1: Oh yeah, like it's it's ridiculous. I have contact or whatever with the uh, uh, what's the th- I can't remember what it's called now, but uh, Ultimate. Drummer? It's got all the all the different um, all their different instruments and stuff in one bundle. Bundle um, complete with a K. That's what it is. So oh, on uh, Native
0: Instruments Complete,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good bundle. Yeah, so uh, I mean. It would take me the rest of my life to go through there and have the level, to have a granular knowledge of all of those different plugins. Like when I started, I knew my Profit 5 inside out and upside down and backwards. I knew what every single knob and switch on the thing did, and and I understood how to operate it. But if, if I were to get into that with something like complete, I would never see the light of day. I would have no friends, no family, no That's career. true. It's
0: just, I can sympathize with that. Those that. Are- really any synthesizer uh, quickly becomes a, a, just a ball like a fractally complex thing that you could you could spend a month on and still at the end you wouldn't have produced any any music but like you'd know how to use your synthesizer real well and how, which what each of the knobs did that's my problem with the synthesizers that there's so much time that I end up spending making adjustments to try and find the thing that I want. And like by the time I, I find it, like the idea for the song or the hook or whatever is almost gone.
1: Yeah. Um, well yeah, it's, that's why it's good to kind of work backwards and have a plan. Like we find the same thing in software development. We, we, we I, I, I think visually, which is weird because mm-hmm. I'm an audio guy, but I, I, I have to diagram stuff out and I make a diagram and if I can sell myself that that diagram is correct then we have a template that we can go on to actually create the software based around that diagram so we know exactly what we're doing. I think in music, uh, if you take a page from... A, I don't know if you ever, ever remember an album called Switched On Bach. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if, you, if you'd if you never heard it, you should find it and listen to it because it was Walter Carlos before Walter became Wendy Carlos who did oh, okay. do the, the Tron soundtrack and all that. Um, but Walter... Uh, Walter Carlos, and I think the guy's name was Benjamin Franklin, which is kind of weird, but different. <laughs> they they had Moogs. The guy lived for a long time. Was a very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very
0: old man. What was the name these, of the album? I'm going to write it down.
1: Switched on Bach. Switched on Bach? Yeah. And, uh, like B
0: A C H, I assume.
1: Yeah, the album cover's got this picture of a guy with like a white wig, supposed to be Bach sitting in front of a Moog synthesizer, a modular synthesizer. But my point in that is they had a plan, they were recording Bach, they knew all the lines, they knew all the parts. So then they would create patches for each part with the synthesizer and then they record it to, uh, they had a a tape machine modified to a 16 track, one of the first 16 tracks that was out there. Mm. So they recorded all the stuff track by track onto the 16 track, patch by patch. So in your situation, A, you can sit there and twiddle knobs all night and get lost down the rabbit hole of creating a sound, or you can figure out what you want to do with the sound and then only go down the rabbit hole far enough to get the sound that you want to do what your end goal is, which is play yeah. this melody in your song. <laughs> so That
0: tends to be my strategy is the uh, let me find the exact level of depth that I must get to in this rabbit hole to to get this thing done. Either that or I'll grab my guitar and, and lay down a lick that way and then convert it to MIDI and send that to my synthesizer later when I find the stupid sound that I want. But
1: But there's that's another
0: another thing that never would have been possible many years ago. So
1: Yeah. Another benefit of Session R by the way is if we're working together I can be I can be the voice of reason and say, You know what? You've been working on that patch for like twenty five minutes now. I, I think we're done. Let's just move on. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> you know. I agree. Um, I, um, I'm a, a Studio One captain,
0: so I, I host uh, monthly meetups for Persona Studio One's uh, uh, DAW software of the same name. Um, and I, I host those for Washington State on the second Tuesday of each month. And uh, one of the things that constantly I'm I'm telling people, especially on this topic, uh, about is, is what I call time boxing. Like, if you're, if you're, recognizing that okay i am about to go down a rabbit trail trying to find a synth sound that i want for this part then what you should do is as soon as you recognize that grab your stopwatch and or timer and set it for 10 minutes or 20 minutes when that thing goes off you're just going you're making a decision and you're done that's it you can you're digitally recording so just come back to it later if you don't like it and make the change but like yeah. that paralysis that you're causing yourself trying to find the perfect thing like stop
1: it just Get it well, down. Yeah, it's in it, that brings up a whole other interesting thing about uh, commitment. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about it, uh, how Clint Eastwood directs, but a lot of times co- comments from people have been, they've gone in and, and, and just to run down a scene to kind of prep for it. And then all of a sudden it goes, cut, print. And they're like, what? Goes, well, <laughs> I got what I want and let's move on. And they're like, what? I wasn't even yeah. ready. You know, so and back in the analog days, of course, when you're doing punch ins and punch outs and all that stuff and you got a background vocal on track nine and then you got to do the guitar solo and then you got to go back to the background vocal and you have to, you know, readjust the console EQ in and out for the guitar solo versus the back. Like all those things that we had to deal with back then. There was a lot of commitment that went in. Like, would you print Mm -hmm. a sound with effects onto the tape? Absolutely. You would if you had the sound you're looking for. Right. You you wouldn't like, oh, let's just record the guitar clean, and then we'll come back to it, and we'll reamp it, and we'll do this and that and the other thing, and we'll have all of the opportunities. Be completely
0: so, insane in the analog world, right? You, you just you multiplied your work by 100
1: if you did yeah. that. But the, the, the weird thing is, a lot of the, the decisions that were made in that creative crucible created timeless, amazing music and people go, wow, why was it, st- why did it have that magic to it? It's because it was there in the moment captured as like bottling magic mm-hmm. as opposed it keeps to. keeps people
0: from ruining
1: that magic too. Exactly. It's, it's bottled. <laughs> yeah. It's bottled. It's there. And, and people second guess and, oh, maybe I should have. Seen. But there's so many instances where the first vocal take is the take. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was just on a breakfast with a bunch of engineers and, and, um, One of the fellows, again, I'm not using any names because I don't know what the implications are, but he recorded a very famous vocalist who was a very good singer. And he sang the whole song live off the floor of the band and punched in one word. And that's the kind of guy he was. And another time he did a vocal and they, the engineer wasn't ready. He had the fader kind of like in the middle zone where it wasn't Mm -hmm. optimized for signal to noise ratio or whatever. And, uh, the singer went out in the studio saying the truck saying the take and said, that's it. And the guy was like, but it's all, it's all noisy. He goes, I don't care. Well, what? that's, that's my performance. That's what I want. So they had to go out and rented a, a noise reduction unit, which ended up making the, the first part of the vocal sound all kind of like it was coming through a telephone. Yeah. And ev- everybody thought it was an effect that they'd done on purpose mm. and it, it, it wasn't, they actually had to do that to, to get rid of the noise because the noise floor was so high and uh, another instance, I was talking to um, another famous engineer, but another famous male vocalist who sang a, a song about a Robin Hood movie. And uh, that take was the take. And it took, it wasn't, the engineers in some ways weren't ready for it. And so he had to go back in with multiband compression and, and uh, massage the track back to life but that's the that's the take that's on the recording because it's why it's got the magic and it, it's got the emotion in it anything other yep. than that would would have that's gone right and on and, yeah. on, and on so all i'm saying love digital all,
0: recording for retrospective record right oh crap i really yeah. should have been recording that fortunately my daw is set up to automatically always be recording and just like discard everything older than 30 seconds, basically. So, like, if someone hits on something, I, I just hit the record button and we're, we're in. But, yeah, um, that's not something you could have feasibly done with a tape recorder at all.
1: But so maybe some of you out there listening might want to take the approach where you take a little real, good heart at committing to stuff and not leaving all your options open because it may not be making it better. It may be making it worse. I totally agree.
0: Yeah. I think that for instance, the fact that the Beatles for most of their songs only had that one multi-track recorder that they didn't daisy chain together meant, well, okay, so we're out of tracks. We want to add another part. So we got to bounce the drums and the bass together. And that's just how the drums and bass are going to sound from this point on. That's a commitment that they made, but like it also just functionally made, allowed them to get a lot of music out, you know, and, really great music out too.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, I, I, without hopefully boring anybody that's listening, when I went, I went from a two-track, literally a JVC boombox, then my mm-hmm. buddy had the exact same model and I'd, I'd record on one, then I'd rewind, I'd hit play and I'd play another part, another guitar part and record on his mm-hmm. and it sounded terrible. Oh, and then I would do the same thing again. I'd I'd I'd, play, I'd rewind his and I'd play it back and I'd play another part and record on mine. And, and I mean the noise and the room sound and everything it was just I mean garbage in terms of audio quality. But I still have those recordings and there were some really amazing ideas that happened in that moment. So then that was a gateway drug to the Fostex X15, which was a little four-track recorder. Got mm-hmm. a spring reverb. <laughs> yeah, this Ooh. is pre-digital reverb. And, and, and like and a so legit it, spring, it had a metal spring inside the thing. Legit metal spring inside.
0: <laughs> oh <that>. my goodness. <laughs>
1: and, yeah, it was a Yamaha uh, spring reverb. And then uh, I I finally got to the, uh, I bought a FOST XR 8 8 channel t- tape recorder with Simpty and a hybrid art sync box with Simpty Track software and Atari 1040 ST. If you don't know what any of that stuff is, I don't blame you because it was a long time ago, but I had MIDI at a MIDI recorder slave to an eight-track tape deck. And man, did I use that thing. In could you crazy...
0: record MIDI info, like MIDI notes onto an eight-track? That was one thing that I've never actually gotten a straight answer on. I thought those were audio only, right? Yeah,
1: no, they're, they're audio only, but it had a separate Simpty track, which made it really unique. It was eight tracks plus a Simpty track. And, and ah. you could run the Simpty track, uh, out to the, the box. And then the, the uh, atari which by the way had the most rock solid midi timing you could imagine and um a lot of producers used those for years after they were considered like ancient because of the solidity of the midi timing and those things and i remember when i got logic i think i got into logic at 1.5 when it was still on pc and mac and the MIDI timing was just all over the place. It was it was not good at all. But anyway, the the whole my whole point is where I was going with this thing is I went from two track, four track, um, eight track, twenty four track, and then one day I was uh, I got a job teaching um, audio engineering at this studio. They had a forty eight channel eighty series Neve console, which was uh, amazing, legendary, thirty three forty eight Sony dash machine, which is uh, at that time, it was about a $350,000 tape machine, 48 mm-hmm. tracks of digital on, on one open reel tape. And they had uh, a Mac running Logic. And I had, I, they said, why don't you book, it, book in some time and go do whatever you want? Just get to know the studio. So I booked in the studio time and I was already And I went in there and I was like, I choked because I, mm, I could literally do little anything. red light syndrome going on? Well, it was just, I, I had so many possibilities. I didn't even know it was making my head spin. I had 48 tracks. I had, I had MIDI. I had Logic. I had, you know, where am I even going to start with this? Because I was used to being in that little space, commit, 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 you know, and then all of a sudden it the, it's like somebody ripped the roof off and. And it was, it was overwhelming at first. I mean, I got used to it after a while. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll put the bell part on track 47, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that was sort of the precursor to, of course, now, I mean, when people Infinity get into tracks, yeah. Yeah, infinite number of tracks and, like, versions, versions, versions. We'll just sing the vocal 30, 33 times, and I'm sure it's in there somewhere. We'll figure it out later. But honestly... That's not all your bottle magic. You come up with some pretty cool stuff and, and maybe even some great stuff, but the magic stuff, that's, that's a different thing. That's getting down into the, the, the human.
0: Yeah. You I know. think what you're getting at there is like, ain't no comping going to get you to Blackbird, right? That like was that. just Paul McCartney walking in with a guitar singing and being amazing. And you're not going to comp that that take together
1: Mm -mm. because that was just magic in a bottle exactly a lot of those older recordings are are magic in a bottle i just heard the neighbor across the fence playing fleetwood mac rumors took me back Mm. like time machine that album because i heard it so much so much in my youth but i mean you listen to some of those songs you don't go oh what a fantastic kick drum sound you know it's you you just go you get transported into this vibe of like, yeah, it's indescribable. And it's not just that I'm harping on new music versus old music or anything like that. I just think there's been so many changes in the way music is produced. It's had an effect. It just has. Like, it's it's different than the way it used to be largely. I mean, there, there are exceptions to the ruler. But, I mean, Tom Petty, they used to record stuff live off the floor and he mixed on a Soundcraft mixer in his garage. Yeah. And, and you listen to it and you go that's amazing. Like the vibe and the um, Joe Wells calls it the mojo, mm. you know, yeah. the mo- mojo in the recording. So yeah. Anyway, we're hoping to put some mojo back by connecting people so people can be people and be creative and not just let the technological barriers diminish the, the humanity of the process. Like, Bouncing a file, emailing it to someone, have them do something, have them send it back to you with notes, or maybe they've added a track and all that kind of stuff. Super right brain, right? You're just it's, completely out of that creative mindset at that point. Totally. Yeah. The bubbles burst. and uh, Exactly. You know, you might get lucky once in a while, but overall the creative bubble is, is not happening at that point.
0: I guess um, I definitely had another question I was about to ask, but then my mind went blank. Fortunately, I'll be able to edit that part out where I just said it's stupid. Um, I want to know uh, one of the things that I've I've experienced in trying out various music collaboration services, platforms, or whatever, for lack of a better term, is that it it can be hard to find that new connection of of like here's a song. I know what I think I want added to this song, but like to, to post that out essentially as like help wanted guitar solo at this part of the song. Like that's, that's kind of the, the gaps that I've perceived in the marketplace. Is that something that's on your guys's radar?
1: Yes. We've already started. With <laughs> Succinct. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> We've already started with the discovery tab, um, which in this version of the software is let's say it's a little MVP, but we want, I wanted yeah. to get it in there. Anyway, that it's, the interface is currently very awkward to use and, um, uh, it, that's being worked on as we speak. And hopefully even in the next version, certainly in the next two versions, that's going to really start to, to spring to life. But, um, we've also added the ability that for people with a profile on SessionWire to have a public avail- publicly available URL for their profile. So, in other words, Google search can pick it up. You can post it in Facebook or Instagram or you know wh- whatever you want to do to promote yourself. And people don't have to log in to see your profile page. There's just this publicly available profile on SessionWire. So that's that's good because it starts generating SessionWire as a place to hang your hat and say, well, where can I... Have my profile picture where can i have my bio where can i have my credits where can i have my affiliations where can i have all that information that other people might be interested in in one location so there's that and then all that information because of the tag um interface that we have on the profile you can say what it is that you do you know i'm an electric guitar player acoustic guitar player banjo player or whatever and then all of those things show up in the discovery tab when you do a search. You can search by instrument mm-hmm. or genre, you can search by location, you can search by all these different things. So that's the sort of the beginnings of what we um want to create on the platform. Because we really do want to we call it community.sessionwire.com is the mm-hmm. new URL we're using for the application. I and mean, we that's very much on purpose because we are talking about generating a community where your Rolodex, sorry, some of you might not know what a Rolodex is, but <laughs> a contact list that
0: it's is, your is, contact list and your phone <laughs> it's the it, contact gro- yeah,
1: app yeah exactly <laughs> if you don't know what a rolodex is you google it and look at the images and have a good laugh but um the the contact <laughs> list will be an ever-growing network of people that you connect with and those connections will add value to your career moving forward because they they're Hard one connections. Maybe you're after, you know, sifting through a bunch of different people. You finally find this this drummer gets it. This drummer understands where I'm coming from, and that takes work in the real world, just like in the virtual world. So, you know, it, in the benefit of the virtual world is it speeds up the process because yeah. you you can go on someone's profile, you can listen to their examples on SoundCloud or YouTube or Vimeo or whatever that they've posted. And if you go, Oh, that's exactly the groove I'm looking for. They totally nailed that one. Then you can get in touch with that person, but then maybe they turn out to be kind of a jerk and you don't want to work with them or, or not like, you know what I mean? But it does speed up the process where in the real world, it's more, you have to meet people in person. You have to hear them in person or you have to do email back and forth and that kind of thing. But we're all over that one. We,
0: yeah. I mean, I could see a lot of potential there, right? Like, you could have it be that, like, when someone brings me into their session wire uh, session and, like, I add a guitar part to it that they could mark that that thing that I added to it as, like, accepted or rejected. And then, like, that, that gives me a, like, collaboration accepted score or something like that in the community where, like, I have a track record of a lot of the people that work with me end up accepting the material or suggestions that I give them and, and things like that. Yeah, well,
1: um, yeah, we are going to be adding gamification. That's what they call it in the software industry to that platform where things like ratings and reviews and, and all those types of things. So it, it, to encourage excellence and to, to be able to leverage that excellence on the platform. So we're also going to be doing a thing called uh, SessionWire Certified, which you can right. probably relate to. So if I see like three trombone players on there, and like two of them, and one of them is session writer certified. I'm going for the session writer certified guy because I know they understand how to do remote production. Mm-hmm. And and that's a huge thing because you might find a, an instrumentalist that's amazing, but they might have a very awkward grasp of their workstation or their right. remote If it takes you
0: two hours of coaching to get that person to lay down the track or material that you actually want from them, is that worth your time as opposed to just going to someone who – you didn't have to explain all that to and probably could have laid down a similar
1: part. Yeah. And, and and we've got that one covered coming up in the next six months as well. We have a, a a way that's going to be very convenient for people to record ours without a DAW at the, at their end. That's cool. Yeah. So they can just basically plug a mic into their interface. They can, uh, you know, plug their headphones into their interface and fire up session wire, connect to the producer and the producer can just produce them. And, and, uh, they don't have to worry about logic or pro tools or studio one or anything like that. They can just, uh, sing their part, play their part, and then they're gone and the producer's happy and they're happy. Hopefully they get paid and they don't just yeah. get exp- exposure, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really exciting. We, we honestly have, three or four years of de- development work on the books already of the, of the exciting things that we want to bring to the session community. So we're like
0: a, a backlog of stuff is what you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool.
1: That's really great. Yeah. yeah. and um, uh, Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. Um, and I wish I could share it all and blast it all out there, but I can't, but it's yeah, uh,
0: I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, wow. I see we're at a, uh, an hour and 10 minutes and, I want to be respectful of your time. I know that there was a little bit of a preamble with some uh, hiccups we had uh, connecting. So um, I guess before before we start wrapping up, I want to make sure to ask you, like, are, are there any topics about SessionWire that you wanted to make sure to touch on that, that I haven't asked you about already?
1: Um, well, a couple things. One, SessionWire used to be what was called the user pays model, which mm. meant that if, if I paid for SessionWire, I could call you, but if you didn't pay for SessionWire, you couldn't call me. That's changed now, so anybody can call anybody and have a video chat on SessionWire, which, by the way, is a really good video chat app because the audio and video quality is excellent, and it's peer-to-peer, uh, so it's encrypted and everything like that. Um and it's free to use. So now you can use SessionWire's communication tool. You have your, whoops, pardon me. You have your growing <laughs> uh, contact list in SessionWire. Yep. So you can connect directly. It's not like Zoom where you have to send it an invite by email or whatever uh, to get connected. So you can start building a little team on SessionWire without paying a dime, just having your profile. You've got the SessionWire app and all that sort of stuff. And we're coming up with some new ways to to upgrade your service to the paid features without having to have necessarily a monthly subscription or an annual subscription. You can kind of pay as you go, which we mm-hmm. think is, is going to be great for people because when they start off using it, they might not use the high quality audio all the time. Um, yeah, But over time, they might use it all the time. And then at that point, they would get a subscription because it's saving them money, not because they feel they're being trying to You know, we're trying to force them into some subscription or whatever. So we're trying to make it um, available in a way that makes sense to people because we know that, especially in the musical community, dollars are tight and people don't want to be spending money on stuff that they're not using all the time. So we want to create the the utility in in the creator version, we call it, which is free. So there's a lot of value in there to start building out your profile using it for promotion building out your contact list being able to communicate with people over video chat with the session or an application and then being all ready for that day when you need high quality audio or you need midi or you need you know one of the paid features then you can up, up, upgrade for like 72 hours or a week or whatever it is that you want and then just keep on going and, and you're not getting feeling like you're getting roped into anything so that's that's an important change in the platform. And we're going to also be doing a lot of work over this year on the platform itself outside of the app. And um, a lot of people are going, well, what's SessionWire? Is it this like web thing or is it this app or is it the plugins? Well, it's all of it. SessionWire is all of that. It's Mm -hmm. a community online. It's an app that you run on your computer to connect your workstation with another person's workstation and do the video chat and all that stuff. And it's the plugins which connect the workstation to the Sessionware Studio app with bi directional studio quality audio. So it all works together as sort of an ecosystem. And uh, we're going to be building on that ecosystem uh, things that are really valuable, I believe, to people um, that want to do remote recording and, and remote music production. So. Yeah, that that that's it's just important to point that out. There is value even for somebody that does want to sign up as a paid subscriber today. It's still worth your time to invest in setting up your profile and using the app for at a bare minimum, you know, video chat with your musical collaborators and you'll already have the plugins installed ready to go. So when it comes time to be able to use them, you'll be you'll be able to get the job done quickly. So
0: can uh, is the free version of the of the app available to do the file transfer? The face drop, I think, is what you called it.
1: Um. Currently, it is not, but there there are going to be some changes coming in the next month or two, where we're going to be introducing uh, another tier of service called producer. Ah. So right now, we have creator, artists, and producer. So we're going to be messing around with what's in and what's out and all that stuff over the next month. So if any of you have feedback on that, you can send us an email and let us know how you feel about it. But um it's that's certainly a valuable feature, the file transfer, because you don't have to upload it to Dropbox and then have somebody download it from Dropbox. And it, it's just like boom. And it's it's super fast and reliable. Right. So but I mean, that's in good theory it good even percent.
0: allows someone who doesn't have their DAW up and maybe just has, like, a tablet computer with them or whatever, if they have session wire, like, they could have the app up, get the file and play back the file and listen to it in real time with you and be able to give you real-time feedback, which would probably be yeah. pretty helpful. So
1: Yeah, that would be – I agree with that. And so th- these things are all always up for discussion, and we're not – you know, we're, we're more about what is going to help people than anything else. Like, I know that sounds yeah. sort of altruistic or whatever, but – it's kind of the way everybody feels because we're all musicians and engineers and producers and whatever. And so we've, uh, we've all sort of walked the walk and, and continue to do so. So we're all on the same team as it were. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So th- there's, um, there's that. And the other thing is our support is out of this world. Our, our, I mean, well, we call it customer success. I,
0: I can attest to that. Like, I won't even make you say this. Let me just explain what happened when I was arranging this interview with you, Robin. I messaged your company's Facebook page saying, hey, I'd love a chance for an interview. And the company's Facebook page immediately replied to me saying, great, I'd love to connect. And then you separately messaged me on Facebook saying, hey, I saw your connection request for a podcast interview. I'd love to set that up. And then later... A few hours later, I realized, hey, I would like a chance to try this. But I had signed up for the product before the Windows beta was available. And so my trial had ex- expired or something. And like I couldn't basically use the full features. And so like I, I sent a quick email off to the service team. And, and they were able to basically give me a, a short little trial run of-, of the full features so I could have an effective interview with Robin. And all of that happened so fast that by the time Robin had sent an email to his support guy to, to say, Hey, send this guy a little trial coupon or whatever uh, that, that I had already emailed the the support desk and, and like that ticket got rooted eventually the same person. And he was like, I already took care of that. And I was like, wow, you're right. Thank you for being so fast. It, it all happened so fast that it was faster than my fingers could type. And I'm a professional developer. So hopefully that gives you a sense of how fast this support team was. It was, it, Socks were completely blown off.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And that's what we'd like to hear because that's what we're trying, honestly trying to do. Um, we were, I, I used to, my biggest complaint coming up in the music industry when it went digital was I used to call it screaming at the giant granite wall. <laughs> right. And, and so I'm in the studio. I'm, I'm in, I have a problem. Everything has gone sideways. And who am I going to call at this company and the answer is nobody i'll get go to the email we're sorry family.
0: our office closed at 3 yeah. p.m eastern We'll get back
1: to you within 72 hours and blah, blah oh blah.
0: you got to be kidding me this costs me
1: so much money every minute yeah exactly and, uh, yeah so we're not we're not that company but one of the things that we do see is value uh, um, pers- personal support we see as a value thing and that costs us to provide it obviously because we all need to eat our shreddies in the morning or whatever yeah. Um, but so in the future, we're probably going to have a self-supported, well, self-supported creator level with like tons of that's videos just what and I was articles thinking. Maybe and Maybe that's that stuff. a
0: way to like yeah. subsidize the membership, right? Like give someone a cheaper membership for the full access by having them volunteer to help support others and help them do the initial routing and
1: things like yeah, that well, maybe. well. C- community support is huge and we're, our Facebook group has just started to really grow in, in leaps and bounds. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, if you go on Facebook and you look for SessionWire users group, it actually wasn't started initially by the company it was started by one of our, uh, early adopters. And now it's sort of trans transitioned into a, a company thing, but I think there's like 650 people on it or something now, but the it's growing, there's a lot of, a lot more activity there. And we, we believe that there's a huge value in community supporting other people in the community. And that's a great source of information for us. So we can continue creating the product that you need. Cause it's not about us. It's about you. It's like, if you're not happy with the product, we're not happy with the product because it's for, yeah. you know, it's for you, the creator, the musician, the producer, the artist, the vocalist that, w- that wants to really, tr- um, you know, make their mark on the world. And it, that, I I salute you anybody that's out there that's doing music production in this crazy world right now because even when I was growing up I said I wanted to be a musician and my parents just shook their head and walked into the other room but I mean now it's just ridiculous it's like yeah it it it's so hard even the people that used to be making gobs of money off their their music are now struggling because um of the whole new change with streaming and their existing contracts and all that sort of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying that streaming is a bad thing. I'm just saying that streaming and some of what was agreed to before is not a bad, not a good fit. <laughs> it just didn't, yeah. you know. But uh, I think going forward, it's obviously not going anywhere. It's so convenient; you can have all these songs, you know, at your fingertips. It's, it's mind-boggling. But um, yeah. Session Wire is a good fit for that model because you can make your productions with people anywhere in the world you can get the right person regardless of their location you can do it at a much lower cost because there's no travel involved and and all of those different things so you could produce an album at a, at a much lower dollar figure than you could back in the in the day where you had to block book out a studio for you know thousands of dollars an hour or whatever so yeah. um, but at the same time, all you studio owners, it does open up opportunities for you to to expand your market to the world and say, "I've got a great room, I've got this vintage desk, I've got this great outboard gear, I've got a pair of ears that you would kill for." All of those things now can be seen as commodities that can be, you know, um, offered to the world as as services. So, um, anyway, I, I'm I could go on about this stuff all day long, but I just I just would. I salute everybody that is, has to do this. Cause I get that. We all get that. We play music. We love music. We write music. Why? Because it's a part of us that we, we can't suppress. It's what we do. It's what we are. And so we're, okay. our, our hope is that our day job uh, at Session Mark can help other people uh, do that in a way that will greatly benefit them. Uh, whether it's just for enjoyment entertainment or whether it's for professional purposes so that's kind of the company that we are and we hope to be and um, we're really looking forward to uh, our meeting more people that are I mean we have so many people signing up now Um, we're really in a growth phase right now so uh, it's impossible to meet everybody but we're we're hoping that you can get to know us, at least through the support site and through the materials that we produce so that you can get a real feel for who we are as human beings and musicians and whatnot, and uh, that we're here to help however we can.
0: Hey, I, I couldn't sum it up any better than that. That sounds like a really good mission, uh, a really cool set of goals, and uh, I like the way that you guys are approaching it. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see uh, what what the future holds for SessionWire. I think that it'll be it'll be bright and a lot of fun. That's for sure. I
1: think I I think so too. And I, I just really appreciate um, having me on today and um, taking the time to chat. It's been a lot of fun and of course, really yeah. really appreciate appreciate your interest in in, in the company. And and uh, uh, you mentioned before. Um, You know you wanted to communicate some stuff and any of you out there that have feedback for us on the product whether it's a bug that you find or a feature that you'd like we're really open to that stuff we actually have forms online that we can direct you to to submit bug reports and and feature requests and stuff and we take everything really seriously because like i said we're trying to sharpen the axe on your behalf so let us know what we can do Yeah, that that makes sense. Thank you. Uh, So sessionwire.com, all one word, right? Uh, Yeah, so it's a bit confusing at the moment because we're still in beta on the new platform. That's right. There's community.sessionwire.com and then there's also sessionwire.com, right? The the original www.sessionwire.com is the old uh, website and the old everything, the old app. And if you go there, Mm -hmm. you'll be redirected to community. Um, the community page is going to be updated, um, Monday or Tuesday with some more information, like the pricing and stuff hasn't made it on there, but the, the pricing is essentially the same as it was on, on the old version for the time Mm -hmm. being, that's going to be changing, like I said, in the next month or so. But, um, if you go to community.sessionwire.com, enter your email address and hit go, you fill out a few fields and the next thing you know, you've got a profile and you can download Uh, the Mac or Windows apps, get all that installed and and you're ready to go and uh, then if you choose to upgrade to the artist plan or whatever the pricing is all there for you and whatnot and it'll explain what you have to do but if you have any questions just hit us up at support at sessionwire.com and we'll be glad to help you out Absolutely,
0: well thank you so much Robin for your time and for introducing my audience to your fantastic new product, I encourage them all to check it out and I'll be blasting this out on all the social medias and everything so
1: thank you all right well thanks very much for having me and i will talk to you soon
0: thank you again for listening to democratizing music you can find more information at www.dsmagic.us there you'll find a contact form if you'd like to be a guest on this show or other ways to find out some of my other interesting projects Feel free to reach out on any of the social medias. I'm available on Twitter, Facebook, and basically anywhere else.